Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mouse Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm joined in person, only fitting for a game like this by my co-host, Jaren. What is up, guys? Today, we are going to be getting into the Mavericks 111-110 to victory over the Los Angeles Lakers. Maxi Kleber hitting the game-winning three at the buzzer as Kyrie Irving gets swarmed. He dishes it out to the wing. Maxi releases it with maybe 0.2 seconds left. The Mavericks win. It's their first buzzer beater of the year. Times are jovial and all is well. It was the complete antithesis for Maxi Kleber, a guy who had some severe clutch time woes the other night when the Mavericks played San Antonio, throwing the ball out of pound, out of bounds. And then on the ensuing play, letting Keldon Johnson get a wide open dunk to tie the game up. And the Mavericks end up going to overtime in that game. He flips the script completely, hits the buzzer yeah. beater here. The Mavericks were without Luka. This was a game that they sorely needed, um, especially as the playoff race ensues. They are now six in the standings. Had they lost this, I believe they would have been out of the play-in, if I'm not correct. Uh, I think they would have been a game out of the play-in. They would have been a yeah. game out of the play-in, and the Lakers would have been in the play-in. I mean, this is just a huge stakes game on a Friday night. Jaron, what was your immediate reaction to the game? I, I mean – you know, to be clear, like this was a game from start to finish. Honestly, it, it was all competition. Both teams played really well, but uh, Maxi big step up, especially you know hitting the last six points, having those uh, three free throws that you know really pushed the game into actually it being a game after being five points for uh, basically what felt like a long time. But um, I mean, can we finally say like after all of the hardships of this season, it's kind of led up into this moment, and it feels good. You know, we still have 11 games left. Every game's going to matter from here on out. But this team finally gets a break uh, and a break that's much needed, especially this late in the season. Yes. And we will be getting all into this game, of course, and Maxi's game winner. But before we do that, here's an ad from our sponsor, Spotify for Podcasters. All right, Jaron. So getting into this one before, you know, we're going to save the game winner and all of the uh, final plays of the game and just play this one out sequentially from start to finish. So for those of you guys who only listen to the start of our podcast, cause you just can't bear to hear our voice. This is one where we are unfortunately going to have to apologize <laughs> to you because you'll have to listen for us to get into all, all the goods here. But nonetheless, the Mavericks start this game out and the perimeter defense is lackluster to say the least, as it has been throughout really the stretch since the all-star break uh, where it's really been suffering heavily what did you see in that first quarter from the Mavericks and what was your confidence really just throughout that first half in terms of their ability to uh, even provide any sort of stopgap measures to what the Lakers were doing offensively in the way that they sort of ran their offense through Anthony Davis and um, their, their guard play, you know, through D'Angelo Russell was just in sync from some really tough shot, shot making. Yeah, in, in that first quarter, I would say you could probably tally that one as the worst quarter in terms of defense. Um, 
it's just really bad perimeter defense that of course leads to collapsing on the paint and that's exactly what happened uh the lakers got too many easy shots down low and i want to say yeah, it, early in the first it was like 12 to 5 at one point but basically all of their points had come via inside the paint um and you know having anthony davis and d'angelo russell sort of spearhead your offense there's just so many things that you can do with that and that's exactly what they did they dictated pretty much the whole game with that sort of duo um of at least the whole entire first quarter um it, you know the Mavericks offense slowly came into progression as that first quarter kind of ticked along but it, you know it it kind of came along with the defense uh it seemed like you know when the Mavericks were really sort of slowed down and weren't really in progression or anything like that that was kind of when um the defense and the offense just felt really blocky in a sense um I guess that's probably the best way to put it but Definitely in that second quarter, things really picked up. Um, I want to say the Mavericks got off to their big run in that second quarter. And I, I don't believe that they were up by much, maybe like seven points at the most, but even still big enough gap to, you know, give a comfortable sizable lead. And, you know, as I mentioned before, offense led in the defense. And that's exact that's exactly what happened. Anthony Davis, um, he didn't really have the best of games, one where, you know, he was pretty efficient and still had 26 points, but at times just didn't feel like he had his fingerprints in the game. Um, and especially in that second quarter was one of those times. Uh, we had to see the second unit kind of get into progression, whether it was, you know, Dennis Smith or uh, Dennis Schroeder um, and Rui Hachimura. Those were kind of the guys that, you know, in the second quarter for the Lakers kind of had to not carry, but kind of had to put things on their back. Um, and in doing so, the Mavericks really got off to a nice head start, but Definitely as that second quarter sort of went along, Lakers found their footing back again. And uh, pretty much from the whole game out, you know, it was a back and forth battle between these two. Yeah, it definitely seemed as if the Lakers in that first quarter um, were just doing a really good job in terms of their guard play at the point of attack. The Mavericks had a tough time being able to slow up any any penetration. And um, because of that, the pick and roll definitely ended up kind of opening up seamlessly with Anthony Davis and company. Uh, but, and the Lakers were just also winning a lot of scramble possessions, getting a lot of offensive rebounds, and it was leading to a lot of open looks for them. Uh, a team that, you know, notoriously, even despite this past trade deadline, uh, isn't really the best three-point shooting team, was actually not filling it up. They were getting some wide open looks at times during this game. They only ended up finishing five of 20, which is an absolute abomination, but Within that first and second quarter, they were actually uh, feeding themselves some decent looks, and uh, they they were just doing a good job attacking off of closeouts, off some you know Mavericks being kind of preemptive in their pursuit. Uh, Austin Reeves, um, Malik Beasley, these were all guys that were kind of pushing the ante, running in transition, getting to the free throw line. The Lakers ended up shooting 31 free throws on the night, and they only made 19. God bless, because had they just made one more, this would have gone to overtime. Had they made two more they would have won the game. So that is a huge plus in itself. But nonetheless, the Mavericks were able to ready their, the storm um, by just doing a better job uh, in terms of their swarming defense, uh, as Jaron kind of alluded to in that second quarter. They did a better job trapping, and uh, especially once the defense uh, sort of would collapse, they, they did a really good job just replacing and rotating whenever, you know, any guy – um, would help on one side and there would there would be a guy to help for whoever's man you know he just left and the Mavericks were doing a really good job of that in the second quarter especially when they had to swarm Davis throughout different periods you know 
he did fill it up with some tough shots and had a few good offensive rebounds that were able to lead to some kickouts for the Lakers and, you know, his own points. But the Mavericks, you know, by virtue of that two-center lineup that they played throughout uh, quite a few uh, different stretches of this game, it definitely gave them an increased amount of size to help the rebounding woes a little bit. And uh, by virtue of that, you know, Christian Wood, when he was in there, because that's who they were typically playing as the second big, he was able to kind of freelance and uh, play on guards a little bit more and not really have to worry as much about dropping. And they kind of relegated those um, to those sort of responsibilities to Maxie and Dwight, who um, were, were a bit a little bit more, you know, well-suited to do that. And I think that that's a big reason that the Lakers offense started to kind of slow and lull out um, in the third quarter. They started getting some really tough shot making from D'Angelo Russell. He ended up finishing five for 17 in the night, but he filled it up with some shots there in that in that third period. And he was doing a really good, a really good job, you know, distributing at the point of attack. He had a lot of assists in this one. He had 11 assists and the Mavericks were just kind of having a tough time stopping that not even really in any sort of fault to their own. It was more so just some really tough shot making by the Lakers and uh, there were some unfortunate bounces, I thought, and the Mavericks kind of also probably weren't the benefactors of some calls. The Lakers got a few favorable calls and were out in transition and running. And, you know, there were a few replays for, you know, certain respected things. Uh, but nonetheless, they were able to kind of ready the storm until they got to the fourth quarter. Uh, and in that fourth quarter, the Mavericks, honestly, throughout most of the period, had a pretty tough time scoring other than the beginning uh, when Christian Wood was still in there. But, you know, once he subbed out, uh, seeing things kind of started to seemingly stall up a little bit. Uh, what do you think happened there? Uh, was it a matter of the fact that, you know, Kyrie, you know, did he have anything to do with the fourth quarter scoring woes? And how were the Mavericks able to remediate it, remediate it at the end of the game? Yeah, I mean, we've seen this, I mean, you know, countless times this season where the fourth quarter kind of slows up this team. You know, they have an amazing third quarter all the momentum headed in the fourth quarter and it all just pretty much falls apart. Um, now this one, they were thankful enough to still be in the game. And of course, you know, Maxie hit the buzzer beater, but I really think that the main reason this kind of game slowed up, you know, Kyrie got into some really early foul trouble late early in that fourth quarter. Um, I think that really affected the aggression that the Mavericks could play on offense. You know, they're running basically all of their offense through Kyrie, uh, whether it was, you know, dishing off to uh, Christian Wood down low or whatever it was. Um, and they kind of had to rely a little more on other guys, you know, Josh Green, um, he didn't really get to play that much up top, but Christian Wood was one guy who really had to, you know, kind of surface his own offense. Um, and I, I think, you know, McKinley Wright at times, they had to rely on him playmaking in that fourth, like early in that fourth quarter. Um, I, I just think it really, you know, the depth of this team, you know, once again, to prove it on a point, it, it's just kind of slowed up through the fourth quarter. Um, of course, the Lakers really picked it up. They you know, I think that they were up by seven at one point, you know, kind of midway through the, the midway through the fourth quarter. Um, but yeah, you know, Christian Wood, somebody, you know, who kind of needs, I, I guess, uh, at least throughout this game, he was kind of in a rhythm through the whole game. And honestly, in that fourth quarter is whenever he really slowed up. Um, defensively, he was still playing pretty good, but offensively is whenever his game started slowing up in that fourth quarter. But I, I think it was just more so uh, in that fourth quarter, the offense really just couldn't get in the rhythm, really couldn't run anything. Um, and in doing so, it, I think that's why is because Kyrie kind of got into some early foul trouble. I want to say he had five fouls with like six minutes to go. And that, I think that just slowed up a lot of things for the Mavericks. 
he got that one quick breather. Um, I want to say it was maybe like a total of like 30 seconds in game time. Um, but I mean, it seemed like that was just enough. And the Mavericks pretty much kicked into high gear after that, uh, you know, majority of that, like last few possessions, they were down by five points until Maxi, of course, hit those really clutch three free throws in a row. And then, of course, you know, ended up hitting that buzzer beater. But outside of that, I really think that it was slowed up due to the foul trouble that Kyrie got in. Yeah, I mean, I think it may have just thrown things off kilter a little bit. Uh, Kyrie ended up playing 39 minutes in this, you know, game high for both teams. And he played a good margin of that fourth quarter as well. So I think it kind of just maybe threw off the momentum and whatever sort of, you know, direction the Mavericks were trying to kind of go in as, you know, they that fourth quarter kind of went and tagged along. But nonetheless, uh, on the other side of things, they definitely, you know, diverted back to some of that first quarter defense uh, where we saw guys like Schroeder and D'Angelo Russell, you know, really beating Maverick defenders at the point of attack, you know, whether it be uh, Josh Green or Reggie Bullock, uh, some of the Mavericks better defenders who I thought honestly kind of uh, changed the narrative comparatively to what they've kind of been doing recently on defense throughout this recent stretch. Uh, we've even some of the Mavericks better defenders have definitely suffered from a team perspective, but those second and third quarters were some of the best defense the Mavericks had played just from a uh, ability to scramble and rotate as I had kind of um, alluded to earlier. But I think a, a little of that went away in the fourth quarter and I don't know exactly what to attribute that to. I don't know if the Mavericks were just less spirited because the, they were having some offensive woes that were persisting or, or what exactly it was. I mean, we've seen that at times throughout this year and you know it's something that this team um essentially always says they're going to fix but they they just never necessarily do so I, I don't know exactly what it was but you know those defensive issues start to persist Anthony Davis kind of seemed uh almost like the elephant in the room at times he he, he just the Mavericks seemingly as the game uh kept evolving it, it, it he just seemed more like insurmountable and unfair of a player to be able to try and guard, which was a really interesting complex. I mean, they did a better job in the second and third quarter of uh, trapping him when he get into the paint and then, you know, making him take it out. And the Mavericks did a really good job of consolidating and rotating and replacing, but um, that they were kind of just letting him get to his spots there in that fourth quarter. And, you know, whether that meant him taking a shot or him being able to, you know, then comfortably dish it to somebody off of a late double it started to eat up towards the Mavericks, but uh, luckily, obviously, all those woes were remediated um, with those final few possessions of the game and some really clutch Kyrie sh shot making. You know, we have to get into him as well. He had a ton of fourth quarter points. You know, he was virtually the Mavericks only source of offense within that fourth quarter as the role players definitely stalled out uh, comparable uh, to what they had done previously in the game where they, you know, while Kyrie definitely seemed like he was the genesis and the Mavericks offense ran through him at all um, through all times in this game, which was a, definitely a sight to see, especially since we haven't seen a Kyrie uh, Luca less game since his first few uh, games here, where I think a lot of fans probably would have denoted him to be a little bit more passive than not. Um, but, you know, I, I think that any of those concerns have been, have been quickly flushed away ever since, uh, after the all-star break and everything like that. But it was interesting to see. And it was interesting, I think, how a lot of us thought going into this game, how he was going to respond. And I mean, 38 big points with just some huge shot making from all three levels. Uh, we'll get into the uh, 
you know, full dichotomy of his game here in a second. But um, he, he was really the only thing keeping the Mavericks alive throughout stretches in that fourth quarter uh, when role players just weren't making shots. They were having some sort of just lackadaisical turnovers, just non-attentive turnovers. It was like, I can't remember if it was late in the third or in the fourth, but I remember at one point, um, I think it was like, I don't know how I'm bluffing on who exactly it was, but I think it was like either McKinley Wright or Tim Hardaway just like virtually like gave the ball to one of the Lakers at one point. It might've even been Christian Wood, but they just lost the ball at the top of the key. Uh, There was, you know, stuff like that going on. The Mavericks ended up having 13 turnovers, not anything groundbreaking or anything like that, but they did have a lot more costly slippages in that third and fourth quarter. And, you know, Kyrie really kept them in the game, Jaron. So, uh, let's go ahead and get into the final possessions because I know that's what everybody's been waiting for. They don't want to listen to me talk about um, any all this irrelevant stuff here. Um, but obviously, you know, as Jaron kind of alluded to, the Mavericks were down seven at one point uh, late in the third quarter, and they they end up you know remediating that. It tends it's, it's this really big back and forth game where they're down by like five or six at points. Um, we'll fast forward to th- with three. Th- Three minutes and 39 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Kyrie Irving makes that really tough giant killer. I believe it was over AD. And um, at that point, Kyrie then gets the quick breather, as Jaron had alluded to. This makes the game 102-105. And, um, you know, we're going through this because it's it's significant in the fact that the Mavericks won a clutch game in the manner that they did. Sure, they won the Spurs game the other night, overtime, you know, yada, yada, yada. But, I mean, this is an actual, you know, real clutch game winner in a high stakes game. And this is something that we've seldomly seen this team have the balls to do all season. Uh, but nonetheless, in the ensuing possession after uh, Josh Green substitutes for Kyrie, Anthony Davis makes a jump shot, extends the Laker lead to five. The Mavericks then take that timeout and Josh Green or Kyrie comes back in for Josh Green at that point because his breather in actual game time was only about 23 seconds because uh, they staggered it with the timeout. But nonetheless, Maxi Kleber ends up getting fouled. I rem- I believe he attacked off a closeout and it seemed as if younger Maxi would have been able to throw it down, but he kind of like did a little double clutch thing and barely got the ball up. But uh, nonetheless, he goes one for two on the free throw line. He was fouled by D'Angelo Russell. He, uh, at this point, scores 103 to 107 with 248 left. Then D'Angelo Russell misses a mid-range jump shot the next play when Gabriel gets the offensive rebound. Uh, but as the Mavericks, you know, there were a lot of points in this game where we talked about the Mavericks scramble defense really coming through. Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, gets an errant pass from Winyan Gabriel. He's able to kind of deflect it, and uh, he gets out in transition, and he's wide open. And Tim Hardaway Jr. fashion with about 21 seconds left in the shot clock. He shoots a three, misses it. Austin Reeves gets the rebound. On the other end, Schroeder misses a 17-foot pull-up jump shot that was pretty wide open. The Mavericks were fairly fortunate. Uh, that he missed on that one. And the Hardaway Jr. gets, at least I think that that was a Schroeder jump shot that was fairly wide open because there were a couple. The Mavericks did bear some um, very fortunate not shot making by the Lakers in this game at times because, you know, I alluded to the scramble defense being good, but there were some times where the Lakers would set screens very low um, on some of their possessions and the Mavericks went under on them and nobody rotated up top and it just led to some wide open Laker threes. Anthony Davis is a really good, uh, just in terms of the placement of where he sets his screens. And that, that was something I was really able to pick up on in this game, but uh, nonetheless, Mavericks get the rebound off the Schroeder 
um, jump shot. And Winyan Gabriel uh, on the ensuing position ends up fouling um, Kyrie, Irving. Kyrie Irving. And um, that's whenever the Lakers challenge. Oh, that's right. And yeah. then, yeah, then uh, the Lakers challenge and um, the challenge was unsuccessful. I mean, there's credence to the fact that Gabriel may have went straight up. Um, I, I don't I, I think that there was still some lower body contact that kind of was able to facilitate that call going in the Mavericks favor. But it's just really long review kind of takes any of the flow or momentum out of the game away. And then at that point, it's 105-107. The Mavericks are down still, uh, but only by two points with one minute and 55 seconds left. Uh, next, you know, more D'Angelo Russell iso ball. He misses a 25-foot three-pointer. Kyrie gets the rebound. Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, shoots, Classic. She's like corner. I think yeah, it was a corner. Yeah, this is a corner three. Um, he was kind of put in a bad position. Um, a pretty obstructive view um, on the left baseline where he had to kind of chuck up a corner three. But nonetheless, you would have liked to see him maybe try and kick the ball back out. Schroeder gets the rebound. Anthony Davis misses a step back jump shot. Uh, Lakers get an offensive rebound. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. ends up fouling them, and uh, he fouls Austin Reeve in the corner, who then makes two out of two free throws after having a sort of rough free throw shooting game up until that point. And that extends the Laker lead to four. After that, uh, with about 38 seconds left, Christian, Christian Wood loses the ball. D'Angelo Russell gets a steal on the ensuing Mavericks offensive possession. And uh, at that point, the game almost kind of seems virtually over. Uh, the Lakers wait out the whole clock, essentially. D'Angelo Russell misses a three with about 17 seconds left. Uh, Kyrie Irving gets the, the um, defensive rebound. And then the Mavericks go down the floor. They don't take a timeout or anything. They just go straight down the floor. And uh, Kyrie dribbles up the floor. He kicks it to Maxi at the top of the key, who's acting as the trail man in this. And Anthony Davis just stupidly fouls him, like just seemingly yeah, like bulldozed into, yeah, bulldoze yeah. into him. Maxi, after you know all the sort of late game antics that we referred to in that Spurs game, and we were um, ever depressed by the other night makes three out of three big free throws, cutting the lead to just one after the Mavericks seemed as if they had no chance. If the Lakers had even just, you know, got to the free throw line or made a basket on the possession before that, this one's over. It's a two-possession game. It still was, but, you know, it could be a one-possession game if the Mavericks make a three. Then Jared Vanderbilt comes in for D'Angelo Russell. The Lakers make some rebounding and uh, defensive substitutions after right before the Maxis' uh, third free throw. Uh, but, of course, he makes it. Lakers take a timeout. Uh, they make more, you know, situational substitutions. Mavericks do so as well. They, they put Tim Hardaway Jr. in for defense, which is always a funny one um, anytime we see that. Uh, but nonetheless, the, Josh Green um, is in the game. He, the Mavericks do a really good job covering the Lakers up. Anthony Davis flashes to the top of the key. Josh Green is able to foul him uh, just about right away. He took almost – you don't, didn't not even, even take a second. A second. Yeah. It took 0.9 seconds off the clock. Anthony Davis misses the first free throw, goes back iron. Um, shockingly, makes the second free throw. Lakers um, then end up, you know, making some situational substitutions again. Mavericks take a timeout, and there's 6.1 seconds left. Mavericks are only down two because of the Anthony Davis missed free throw. And at that point, you know, more situational substitutions. The Mavericks try and inbound the ball with about 6.1 seconds left. They put in Theo Pinson as the inbounder, the inbound passer. I don't know why 
Jason Kidd has basically proclaimed him the best inbound passer on the team if they have like some sort of practice tape to go off of or what. Um, but, or if Theo Pinson is just a self-proclaimed, you know, best inbound passer in the team and it was pining for Jason Kidd to put him in. But I don't know what, I don't know exactly what the case was, but uh, he can't find anybody within the first 6.1 seconds and not even really to his uh, fault or anything like that. Just really nobody could get open. The Mavericks were lo- running a lot of sort of misdirection stuff. Um, you know, a couple down screens for some different guys to try to get open. Just Lakers did a really good job. Uh, sticking to it and the screens really weren't set hard enough and you know they have to call a timeout then uh, the Mavericks you know of course come out of the timeout as their final timeout they run a, essentially the same action but Kyrie flashes at the very last seconds able to get the ball um, you know he gets it you know goes to the top of the key makes a hard move to the right wing and he gets trapped at the last second. You're thinking that he has to force a shot up. There's just seemingly no time left. It, I, I don't even think there was – it was necessarily a play. I think it was a broken play. It was a broken play, yeah. and the Mavericks got extremely lucky that, you know, Anthony Davis kind of had a flash down in the middle because, I mean, at that point you have of the, to expect – Because of the threat of the Kyrie. Yeah, exactly. You have yeah. to expect Kyrie to at least bring the ball back inside. But, of course, you know, in doing so, he kicked it out, and Maxi made that incredible three-point shot that at time – like, I don't know – if you didn't see the replay, like you honestly wouldn't think that it w- went in on time, but um, I think you released it with like 0.2. Yeah. Minutes. I was questioning yeah. at the time, and, but me and Jaron were watching the game together. We were going crazy. It was a party at the mainstream Mavs house. <laughs> and uh, nonetheless, times were jovial, as I said, at the beginning of the jovial. podcast and uh, the whole team swarms maxi. It's just a great scene, something that the Mavericks sorely needed. You know, obviously we just spent, you know, we talked at nauseum about the actual, you know, waning moments leading up to that and how the Mavericks, you know, along, you know, yes, they did bear a lot of luck and some uh, negative regression in terms of some of the Lakers shooting in this one, you know, even for the Lakers, I would say it was negative regression, a team that's not too good at shooting, but you know, there, there is something to the effect that they had to really grow a pair and bring this one home. And it's something that we haven't seen from this team virtually all season. And, um, you know, the, there still probably wasn't even the best play drawn up in clutch time, but they yeah. were able to bring it home. Is I think their first buzzer beater of the season. I believe so. Yeah, because uh, I mean, even the Luca tie with the Lakers yeah, and the, Clippers. Yeah, um, but I was gonna say the Luca um, tie tip in against the Knicks still oh, had yeah, time yeah. left on the clock. Um, that's the only one I can re- remember off the top of my head. One, yeah. So, um, Jaron, what was you know your immediate reaction? just in terms of how, how this bodes in the future for the Mavericks uh, from the playoff perspective and the seeding perspective, because before we get into some of the individual performances of everybody in this one, um, just a hugely significant um, event for this to happen in the game 71 of the season where the Mavericks are at 500 going into this game, sort of jockeying in playoff position with a Lakers team. And we didn't know who exactly was going to play before the game. It got announced that uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. and Kyrie would play after there was some sort of uncertainty persisting as to in, in regards to their playing status. And, you know, Luca didn't play. Obviously, LeBron's out. He's been out ever since he had that ankle injury in Dallas, as a matter of fact, a, a few weeks ago. So how did what was your just reaction to how all this fared out and how good does it feel to get a win over a Lakers team? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's about time that this Mavericks team got something going their way. Uh, especially something of this fashion where it was a clutch time win and a clutch time win where, you know, you're down by five with 
I think like six seconds left or seven seconds left and you come back and you win the game, of course. Um, you know, this was one, I want to say at the beginning of the day, the Mavericks were sitting in the eighth and seventh spot. And very realistically, if they lost this game, they could finish in the 10th spot. Um, we could be having a very different conversation at this time, but of course, nonetheless, yeah, they would just barely be in yeah. the play. in so we messed it up at the beginning of the pod. They would be in the last seed of the play in with the Lakers ahead of them and the thunder ahead of them, as well as the, Warriors and the Minnesota Timberwolves. So, I mean, this is a four seed difference. Yeah. Because of one Maxi Cleaver three pointer. Yeah, exactly. And very timely to say the least. But uh, of course, the Mavericks sitting right now at, you know, 2 25 a.m. Um, on March 18th, I believe. Uh, the Mavericks are sitting in the sixth spot, a game and a half behind the Clippers in the fifth seed, where the Clippers are playing tomorrow against Orlando. I think it's a matinee game. But outside of that, um, you know, I don't think there's really much you can say, but other than an amazing, huge win, uh, very timely, you know, you Even though he didn't play. Holly yeah, he Luka. didn't. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, you didn't get to see Luca, but, uh-huh. um, you know, especially for a guy like Maxi to hit this shot one where, you know, of course, he's been out majority of the season and had that rough, very rough into the uh, San Antonio game. Uh, I think it was more of a the epitome like, of redemption. Yeah, th- this is like, yeah, you can quote this. You can write this down in the history books as the redemption shot. Um, and realistically, like this is something this Mavericks team could build off of. I mean, I mean, I don't want to like go like too big picture here. I hate to interrupt you, but no, it's OK. This Wait. is like I mean, in a sense, like this is I, I wouldn't say, you know, this is kind of stretching it, but it's like almost emblematic of like a, a kind of a career saving shot for Maxi, not just from like. I guess the, um, the aura surrounding, you know, him, because I mean, imagine if he doesn't hit that shot, you still have the bad taste in your mouth from the other night, who knows what happens with the Mavericks as they go down the stretch. And I mean, they're, they're still very much in jeopardy of technically not making the playoffs. I'm not discounting that. Uh, but this could potentially be like a very like career defining pivotal moment as he uh, goes forward. I mean, who knows how he's viewed as uh, from a player perspective going into next season, if, you know, the last sort of taste you have in your mouth is the Mavericks missing the playoffs. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not saying that's, and who knows how the last 11 games of the season fare. Uh, that's obviously, you know, taking it a step further, uh, trying to predict the future and everything. I don't know how things going to turn out, but I mean, just quite possibly the most pivotal moment of his career up until this point in terms of how it could bode for him in the future and definitely of this Mavericks season. No, I mean, to say that's putting it lightly. That was actually, you said that very well. But uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of Maxi's career, this was a very timely three. And especially for the Mavericks, um, you know, with that loss or assuming they lost, like they would be sitting at best in the ninth seed and at worst, of course, in that 10th seed. You have to think about possibly, you know, do you deactivate all your players at that time? But, you know, this win elevates them into another seating one where you know at the moment you're not worried about the plan you know you still have that in the back of your mind but let's say you go on a little bit of a run i here. mean just the momentum aspect yeah, the, yeah that's what i'm trying to say like i don't know if they would deactivate all their players because i, I think that there's no they, still, you can't like it's yeah, yeah but, but i mean those those thoughts are going to emanate within the media and the fan base and to it's gonna point yeah and it's gonna sour the season of course but you know this win puts such a good taste in your mouth to where you know you, there's there's really nothing you can do yeah. but build off of this. And it was sorely needed because even that yeah. Spurs win it, it it wasn't a it didn't mend any of the wound I thought in my opinion yes it it boded well in terms of the Mavericks just in 
getting another win in the win-loss column and helping, you know, forward their case in terms of, you know, jockeying with playoff position and everything. But the way that game ended and, you know, how they very just barely were able to squeak past a very weak and brittle depleted Spurs front court and Spurs backcourt for that matter, who as bad as they are, had like a lot of their best players out. It just didn't leave you with the best taste in your mouth. And I mean, especially with the way Kyrie played down the stretch in this one, uh, it, it just gives you a little more hope that, you know, it's like, okay, like maybe the, the doom and gloom that we've sort of clung to these last couple of games can, it, we can attribute some of it to the fact that our two best players aren't there. You know, I, I think that there's something to the effect of that, obviously. And, you know, I, I don't want to say that the fan base overreacted in a sense, because things could definitely still go haywire. But, you know, I, I think things were getting very dark and grim on the Twitter timeline. And, you know, this is not a cure-all by any means, but I, I think this is a definitely a uh, sort of a pullback into reality that, you know, maybe – this team still has a lot of uncertainty surrounding it and it's definitely got a lot of fatal flaws, but you know, they aren't a complete dumpster fire. Yeah, it's not, I think yeah. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> no, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. yeah. This team, you know, again, you can build off this. Um, you know, I don't mean to be like this or try and, you know, compare this to anything, but um, you can sort of attribute this win, you know, assuming the Mavericks going to run, assuming the Mavericks, you know, somehow gain a five spot or a six spot even um, in the playoffs, you know, you can attribute this win to that sort of kickstarting the season or however you want to look at it. Because, I mean, amazing win, of course, you know, one where, you know, everything leading up to this was going to prove all the doubters correct. Uh, and, you know, to go into their building, of course, and nail down, such a huge shot like that, especially for Maxi Kleba, um, you know, that is just incredible. Uh, of course, you know, we would be having a completely different conversation if he had missed it or if it came off his fingertips 0.2 seconds later. But we are lucky enough to be having this conversation and we're lucky enough to be talking about the future in sort of a bright way. And that's something that we haven't been able to do very much of on this podcast, uh, at least for this season. And, you know, Let's hope that changes. Let's hope, you know, we continue to have these conversations. But um, this is one where, you know, I want to ride this win out. We don't play till Monday. So let, let's let's attribute some sort of, you know, celebratory measures, I should say, um, to Maxi Kleba and especially the Mavericks. Yes, it, it would say uh, if you guys have any German beers on tap, definitely <laughs> enjoy them because it's a uh, – it's a winding Wurzburg victory in this one. I don't know where I was going with that, but I tried. Uh, nonetheless, though, let's go ahead and get into the individual performers in this game because, you know, we've obviously covered this one sequentially and talked about the sort of significance that this has for this Mavericks team as they continue down the stretch here in this regular season. I think that kind of goes without saying. But, you know, let's starting off with Kyrie, as I kind of alluded to, uh, just offensively as the main catalyst and source of, um, all things Mavs shout out to all things Mavs on Twitter if he ever listened to the podcast I doubt he ever has or ever will but um, you know Kyrie was the genesis of basically all things Mavs um, in terms of their offense in this one Jaron and how, how do you think he was able to create looks for himself and others and uh, some of the actions that the Mavericks ran for him um, it, it was a little tougher for them to use him off ball in this one given that Luca wasn't out there but they still ran a few things with him and Christian Wood I thought were really interesting. We just really, like I kind of said, 
or alluded to it at first, saw the full dichotomy of his offense in this one, as we have in a couple other ones. This was his second highest scoring game as a Maverick with 38 points, only topped by his 40-point performance against Philadelphia. What did we see from him, from him in this one that made him so effective? Yeah, I mean, you know, can we say perfect scoring from all three levels? Um, you know, an efficient five for nine from the three from the three point line and an efficient 14 from 23 from the field one where you know he was able to attack the basket just so cleanly so effortlessly he was able to put multiple sort of you know fade away even a three-point shot over anthony davis um one where you know it was pretty much just in his eyes there was no thought no no doubt in Kyrie's eyes um as to you know that he was going to miss this shot but you know the the sort of three level scoring aspect that this guy can bring you know you give a little screen with Dwight Powell to top the key and you can snake pretty much all three defenders who are going to come up and help on that. And that's exactly what we saw. You know, we saw him do the classic snaking the pick and rolls, um, snaking the defenders, getting around um, the key and, you know, basically beautifully tapping it in, uh, getting his classic finger rolls, dancing. I'm, I'm trying to use like every adjective that I can <laughs> right now to describe this guy's game, because this was, quite literally you know perfect and you can underline that like three different times um what he was able to do with the ball tonight was just so masterful and you know i I don't know this is one of his all-time classic games i feel like again you know i haven't seen very many Kyrie, you know brooklyn games but nonetheless now that i'm getting to watch this full screen uh it's it's beautiful to watch but him being just the main catalyst and the main spearhead of the mavericks offense really you know entails what this game was about uh, having, of course, 38 points, you know, he, he didn't really have to distribute the ball all too much. Um, you know, he did doing, he did do that and mainly to Christian Wood. Um, but again, as I said, you know, he didn't have to really be a kick, a move ball. Um, oh, Jesus, a ball, mover. a ball mover. Yes. He didn't really have to be a ball mover in this game. Um, you know, really able really being able to establish his own offense was exactly what he did. Um, and, you know, as I mentioned, you know, a, five seconds ago it was just beautiful to watch um and even defensively from a team aspect he played really good uh you know nothing showed up on the stats of course but I felt like as a team player he played really good on defense I didn't feel like he had any you know egregious late you know closeouts uh even really good rotationally yeah amazing rotationally yeah he had some amazing deflections that led to some steals for the Mavericks but um, and even, you know, just from an individual aspect, we saw Reggie get blown by sometimes or even beat off cuts, just not paying attention. Uh, even Josh, for that matter, just got beat off of those sort of plays. But I don't think we ever saw that from Kyrie Irving. Now, granted, he was sort of guarding, you know, D'Angelo Russell and he, he, he was switched onto some, you know, lesser offensive players at time. Um, but, see, you know, still, I, I think that Kyrie, if you want to label this as perfect, you can probably do so because this is probably one of his best games he's played of, as a Maverick. I mean, I don't know if this one was better than Philadelphia, but this one was for sure his second best game. But yeah, I, I think, you know, there's zero words to describe Kyrie Irving's game in this game or in this one, but it was definitely fun to watch. I'll say that. Yeah. I mean, he just has uh, the inherent ability to be able to, you know, stay savvy and control his body um, like no other at any juncture of the game. And I mean, he did a great job of that, whether they were running him off DHOs and he was just shooting it at the top of the key, um, really setting the pace and transition. He knows exactly when to speed it up, exactly when to slow down. As Jaron alluded to with his ability to 
uh, just really be masterful in the pick and roll, know exactly, you know, when to make that feed and when to take it himself. And just some of the clutch shot making he had. I mean, it, it was really unrivaled and just uncanny. And his his ability to really, you know, take heat and, you know, carry the Mavericks over the finish line and just so unfazed, you know, they, there's not really even a moment where you ever see him look, you know, visually rattled or anything like that. He, he's always so poised, as Christian Wood said the other day in the interview. I'll keep bringing it up. Kyrie is always so poised, man, and um, he operated in that manner in this game, and it was a sight to see. What you know, a great thirty-eight points from him. You know, the Mavericks don't even come close to sniffing this one out without his contributions in this game. Let's talk about some of the role players for the Mavericks. Um, what did you think from Josh Green this game? And you know, definitely a little bit more of a quiet nine points. He didn't fill it up the most. Uh, you know, I thought the defense was a little bit better today. Uh, particularly in that second, third quarter, you know, he was definitely a cog in terms of the guys that were really contributing to that swarming defense team defense that we alluded to, but he did still have some individual woes at times, but, you know, he he didn't really necessarily take as much of the offensive uh, sort of shot diet that he had in the previous two games, of course, with Kyrie out, but he still pushed the pace in transition. There were a few times that he was able to catch guys off guard by blowing past them. Uh, what did you see from him today overall in his game? Yeah, I mean, Josh Green, I felt like, did a masterful job attacking the paint. Um, that was really his only way to attribute offensively. Um, you know, he he was the, the classic benefactor of, you know, just some easy playmaking, you know, getting some offensive run through him. Uh, but really his, you know, established points were honestly all through the paint. You know, just attacking off of closeouts, the usual um, thing that we see out of him. You know, he, he put up some really tough shots. Uh, you know, ones that I think he had an N one too. Uh, that was just really tough. But you know, that was really I think the main part of his game that really, honestly, kind of elevated him into a level where yes, it was quiet, but he had some really tough shots, uh, which I believe all were inside the paint. He went over three from the three point line in this mound. But even defensively, I felt like he was you know, a, yes, at times he was kind of you know not a black hole by any means, but at times it was noticeable. Um, just from an individual effort, I felt like, you know, he was sort of beat off of, <clears throat> off of bad closeouts. Um, even, you know, as I mentioned earlier, he was caught sleeping one time. I think it was a Jared Vanderbilt easy. Just there were like cut. two cuts. That yeah, he was caught sleeping on. That I think it was stuff. Jared Vanderbilt and maybe uh, Mikhail or uh, Troy Brown Jr. Maybe. Yeah, it was Troy Brown. That's, what, that's exactly what it was. Um, by the way, they look the exact same. But anyways. Yeah, um, they do <laughs> um, but yeah, I think outside of that, Josh Green had a very sound game. Uh, especially, you know, from a team defensive aspect in those quarters that the Mavericks are really on their on their run. Um, I felt like he was really the main catalyst of the defensive side of things. Yeah. And I mean, even though he didn't play throughout certain stretches in this game late in the game, he, he still definitely was a huge contributor in, the, contributor in this one. What did you think of Dwight Powell today? Obviously, the Mavericks opted to go to Christian Wood for 34 minutes. We saw Jason, Jason Kidd trust him down the stretch and Christian Wood actually ended up having a really good defensive game uh, at least box score wise uh the the anti-Wooders I guess could debate you know he did have a sort of rough stretch when he first entered the game individually but I thought uh by virtue of his team defense he was able to sort of swing the tide on that end um but con you know contrastly to him Dwight Powell who started the game of course uh I thought what did you think from him how he defended Anthony Davis throughout stretches in this game and um, 
you know, particularly how he was able to, you know, act play as the role man uh, for the Mavericks when, you know, they opted to go to him in those pick and roll scenarios and they ran staggers and stuff with Kyrie and all that stuff. I think one thing that's underrated about Dwight Powell's game tonight was, you know, <clears throat> he was really the main pick and roll guy and that kind of sparked Kyrie Irving's 38 points. Now Dwight didn't, you know, stuff. We say stats. this every game, by the way. Yeah. Like he's, he's the guy that, you know, he won't put it on the stat sheet, but you know, he has an impact in a certain ways. Now I'm not saying he had, you know, a great game by any means or anything like that, but um, you know, he found his fingerprint, I guess, you know, he, he got his fingerprint in the game um, in very Dwight Powell-esque ways, you know, defensively late to closeouts, late to, you know, jumpers caught, you know, kind of playing a little too low on drop coverage uh, you know, the usual Dwight Powell things, but, you know, gave good effort, had some nice rebounding moments, you know, only finished with four, but he had some they nice were all tip offensive outs. rebounds. Yeah, they were. Yeah, exactly. He had some nice offensive rebounds. Um, and even offensively, he was the benefactor of uh, some nice, you know, some nice pick and roll moments. I think Kyrie and Josh were both assisted or both assisted um, on Dwight Powell pick and rolls. But outside of that, you know, I don't think there was anything pretty. It wasn't even saw. like a, a game I thought the Lakers were really timely with some of their traps in this one and they kind of prevented uh they, they trapped Kyrie at the point of attack a few times but they were able to kind of prevent him from getting the ball to Dwight and for Dwight to be that you know cog in the middle of the floor at the nail who's able to kind of facilitate in the four and three so you know he didn't have the biggest role in this one but I thought he played as good as he could have defensively in this one and in those two-man lineups with Christian Wood, it really didn't seem as if there was too much of a fall off from that to Christian Wood and Maxi. Even though I would, I would definitely say that the Christian Wood Maxi lineups were better. And you know, the Mavericks did play Maxi and Dwight sparingly together, which was a really interesting sort of fit. Um, you know, you still it's the same sort of effect with Christian Wood, um, where you can kind of have Maxi's the five on offense, but um they kind of seemed a little log jam ish in the front court defensively at times but nonetheless I didn't think it was a huge issue uh particularly with the Lakers you know not having LeBron there just not putting as much pressure on the rim um and Jared Vanderbilt just not having as huge an effect the Mavericks kept him off the glass a lot better in this game he only had four rebounds um but nonetheless it, it was a concerted team effort from all parties involved to, you know, kind of keep everybody off the glass. You know, the Mavericks only finished with 35 rebounds, Lakers 42, but it didn't seem like as if those seven rebounds even had a marginal effect on the outcome of this game. Uh, the Mavericks just did a really good job of team rebounding and trying to win those 50-50 balls, which is something that we admittedly have not seen throughout stretches in this season. What did you think of, you know, we'll get to the last guy in the starting lineup. What did you think of how Reggie Bullock fared in this one, Jaron? Um, I, I don't have a ton of thoughts, but I, I think that he played his role pretty well. Yeah, I think – I guess that's honestly the best way to put it is he played his role really well. Um, you know, Reggie definitely got off to a really hot start. I want to say he had six of the first ten points that the Mavericks had. Um, all benefactors are just sort of kick-out threes, the usual stuff that we see out of him. Um, you know, he even had a bailout three. <clears throat> I want to say it was in that late fourth quarter maybe. Um, where yeah. it was just like Kyrie kick-out. And then his other two were at the – in the first, in the quarter. first quarter, yeah. yeah. Um, but defensively, you know, I felt like he played pretty sound team defense. It was just kind of – he was caught ball-watching at times. Um, you know, Jared Vanderbilt, you know, I, I think Josh Green and him on that starting lineup in particular, they were caught ball-watching at times. It's weird because um, they, like, they followed the trend of the game and, like, when the Mavericks team defense was yeah, better, they yeah. looked better. But uh, when the team defense was a little more lackluster – 
their individual defense kind of waned as well. And they were kind of getting blown by and letting guys get to their spots a little bit easier. I refer to one play at the end of the fourth quarter, kind of where D'Angelo Russell, uh, I don't know if you know the term crabbing, but it's essentially when you get a defender on the backside of your hip, um, you know, typically in a pick and roll when a defender goes over and you get them, they get caught lacking and you're able to just get them on the backside of the hip. You'll see Luca do it a lot. And he was able to do that. And, uh, on Reggie Bullock one time, D'Angelo Russell, that is, and, you know, get him to where Reggie couldn't even contest a shot. And there were just a few possessions like that where um, you would have liked to see a little bit more effort. But nonetheless, the defense in the three-point shooting has been great as of recently, and I'm not going to complain about a three-for-five night. It was, you know, yeah. pretty decent defense throughout most stretches of this game. Um, so, nonetheless, let's go ahead and segue to the bench. Tim Hardaway Jr. coming back uh, from that injury that he had. I God, it's slipping my mind exactly what it was. Was it, was it another right foot injury? Or yeah, it was like another yeah. right foot thing, yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, he was able to come back in this one, surprisingly enough. Only played 27 minutes. Didn't start the game, but he still, you know, he contributed throughout stretches in this one. What, what do you think the Mavericks got from him? You know, we, we saw a little bit of a negative regression from him in terms of his shooting in this one after not having played for a few days, but he was shooting really well before this, so. You know, I, I personally give him a free pass, especially since he wasn't taking bad shots. A lot of them were open looks. Uh, maybe they were ill-timed in terms of how, you know, early they were in the shot clock or things like that. But I think he just kind of missed a lot of open looks in this one. The defense, I thought he played great team defense and terrible man-on-man -man and, you know, rotational defense. Yeah, I think that's – I mean, honestly, there's Like, really he stood in his right spots, but when I say rotational, I don't mean, like, in terms of the scramble defense necessarily – uh, but I just don't think that when he was, you know, making, you know, his own individual rotations or having to like switch on guys and stuff like that, like he was getting lost a few times and, you know, his, his inability to just have good anticipation skills or flip his hips definitely got to him a lot one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you pretty much tallied it best. Like Tim Hardaway, you know, at moments felt like he was back, but the, the, I think the, this is for sure his first game back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, at moments, you know, it felt like Tim Hardaway is back. And at moments, it just, you know, he's just kind of a cog on the floor at times. But I don't think anything, you know, took away from the game, you know, momentum wise or anything like that. Like, I think he played his well, his role really well off the bench. And, you know, as you said, you know, rotationally did as good as he can, you know, team defensive wise and, you know, man on man wise, it's classic Tim Hardaway defense. Like, I think offensively as you said there were some ill-timed shots you know some shots where you definitely could have moved the ball a little more or you could have passed it up but they um, weren't they weren't bad shots yeah exactly like, they, they were open yeah you they were open and you expect him hard away to take those shots like that's why he's on the contract that he is right now um he you know, came in that first three that he yeah not made from like 30 feet or whatever it was the second he got in the game coming off of injury it was it was a good tone setter and you know i was i was overall i don't he went four for 12 tonight, but I don't come away from the game with a sour taste. Maybe it's just because we won. Uh, I mean, I think that definitely <laughs> probably improves it. But yeah. even still, I, I don't think it was a bad Tim Hardaway game. This is one of his better, if you could, if you want to call it a worse game or a bad game, this was his better bad game. I don't know how else to put it. But uh, I, I still, I liked what he did tonight. I think he brought a good energy off the bench and 27 minutes of action. But, uh, you know, a, a lackluster shooting or at least a, a deficit in shooting, but I still think Tim Hardaway did what he could and, you know, had his impacts whenever he was on the floor. Yeah, no, I completely agree. What did you think of how 
McKinley Wright played in limited minutes because Mavericks went to him a little bit in that first half. And they kind of split the duties of that tertiary playmaking between him and Hardy. Both of them only had a combined 13 minutes together. But I guess you can kind of just bounce off how you thought both of them played in this one. But what did we see from them tonight? Um, I, I think that their role was very marginable. But when they were in there, I thought both of them played fairly well. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm going to more highlight McKinley Wright in this situation, but I feel like McKinley Wright honestly proved why he's an NBA player, or at least why he's deserving of a contract, you know, next year. Um, you know, he put a good seven minutes. Well, not of, specifically through this game. Not like, No, not specifically through this yeah. game, but he had moments where it was like, okay, like this guy, you can tell he's improving. Uh, you can tell, you know, this second year is definitely way I mean, if you watch some year. of his G League games, it almost just seems as if like, he almost looks like a veteran. It's like, like you just want to – it's like a comfortability aspect yeah. for him in the NBA. Can he, you know, still do the things? I mean, I know it's different competition, playing field, all that sort of stuff. But he, he has some, like, really uber-talented games in terms of his ability to create space and get to the rim in the G League. And it almost just seems as if, like, you know, you know, smaller guy, you know, five foot is like, do I have the confidence to be able to make these sort of plays at an NBA level? I think that's, like, a lot of – you know, it's where some of the hesitancy that we see in his game comes sometimes. Uh, but I think he's just getting better at being aggressive game by game when he gets a shot. He, he's still stout as a perimeter defender, which is something this team needs. I mean, yeah, guys can shoot over the top of him and he may get beat size wise sometimes, but he, he moves well laterally. He shot two threes tonight when guys went under on screens on him. He made one of them and the other one went in and out. And then I believe the other shot he had was like, is it like a floater in the pick and roll or yeah, something? I think, yeah, I think it maybe like, two floaters. Maybe one of them bounced out. But, yeah. I mean, he, he just played real savvy minutes. I mean, yeah, it was only seven minutes, but it was minutes that the Mavericks needed from him. And I'm, I'm happy that he came in and ran the offense for a little bit. And it, he honestly kind of gels seamlessly with whatever other guards on the floor. It never, He's never a guy that, like, you look at when he's playing out there and it's like, oh, that's a black hole. That's yeah, he never hole. sticks out like a sore thumb. Like – He's always, you know, playing his role as best as he can. Like, at, you know, at times, you know, you, you you feel that. But at times, I've or like, I'd never really even felt it through this game. Like, this game, I thought he played his role really well. Um, I thought he honestly played more than seven minutes. I think his minutes were cut a little short because he had that weird contact issue. Oh, that's um, right. That's why Hardy yeah. came in. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's, yeah, why we saw Hardy minutes. But even still, uh, I felt like McKinley Wright put a, a good seven minutes into this game. Um, and like I said, I felt like he got more minutes than that. Um, but even still, you know, in terms of Hardy, you know, it was a classic Jane Hardy game, you know, one where he pretty much comes out the gates, you know, shoots two shots and we don't really see much of him after that. You know, he still clocked six minutes in this one uh, and had, I don't know, he had that one, I don't know how you like word this, but he had that one cool action with Kyrie where like, you'd be better describing this. The one where it was like a double screen, um, oh yeah, yeah. well the, I mean, the Mavericks have obviously been running like a lot of like re-screen actions I, I see it more between Hardy and Kyrie Irving I guess that's my well, they, they like, do a lot of it with like guards but yeah. I mean it's something that in these two big lineups we've seen with the two bigs that they've ran uh the where a lot of the time I don't know exactly the play that you're alluding to but uh either the Mavericks will um have one guy set a screen where then he flares out uh to the other wing and then he'll end up rescreening at some point after the Maverick, yeah. uh, you know, lead ball handler, typically like Kyrie or Luca, will use that first screen. Then he'll, you know, the other guy will kind of swing back over and he'll use that other swing, other screen as he 
comes back over, or they'll just run like a stagger, which is just two guys screening, uh, essentially a double screen. Um, Kyrie will come off that, and then one guy will flip his hips um, if they're not able to create enough space off that, or they just want to create a favorable switch, and they'll um, you know use another screen at that. So the Mavericks did that a few times in this game. Um, I didn't even talk about this with Kyrie, but they did some creative things, I thought, in terms of the ability to get him open at times where – they were running just some down screens and, you know, he was able to get back door where Christian Wood got him the ball. They, they did some different uh, creative things on offense tonight, but nothing really too out of the ordinary for what we typically see within their offense. A lot of horn sets. We saw a few zoom actions, um, a lot of sort of, you know, a lot of staggers and then re-screens out of them, a lot of just regular DHOs and then re-screens out of them. And, you know, that, that's the sort of stuff that you can, you're going to see with Kyrie. You're not going to see, um, of course, when Luca's here, that, you know, that you get the full arsenal of your playbook that's able to be opened up a little bit more with some of the post-ups and the things you can do out of that. Um, the Mavericks just have a lot more actions they can run. But in terms of, you know, these non-Luca games and, you know, this Kyrie-only games, we, I think we kind of saw uh, the full toolbox yeah. kind of thrown out there for what the Mavericks have been typically running. I mean, you'd like to see maybe a – few more Kyrie direct Christian Wood actions out there, but it, it does get a little log jammed when you do run as many two big lineups to cover up Wood's defensive deficiencies. So I don't never, you know, I, I was completely okay with Wood freelancing on offense a little bit, you know, trying to create things for himself, particularly if it's on like a guy like Winnie Gabriel, it's not like AD was defending him most of the time. I uh, made a few threes, you know, we'll get to Christian Wood in a second in his offensive game, but Mavericks ran a lot of good plays tonight. All right. You know, there were times I definitely thought that the offense was lacking an agenda in terms of the play calling. It definitely looked a lot more just uh, take the ball and go type of deal that we've seen Jason Kidd do at multiple coaching stops. But uh, as the game sort of went along, it seemed as if they were able to settle into their offense uh, more as the game went along. Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, I kind of want to highlight these two. I guess we can kind of tally them together. Um, what do you think of Bertans and what do you think of Holiday? You know, definitely Holiday had more of a defensive stamp on this game, one where, you know, offensively didn't really have a whole lot of actions, you know, or even corner threes, which is what we usually see out of him. You know, we didn't see any of that out of him. Uh, and then Bertans doing, you know, what Bertans does best and, you know, sort of, a, a, a you know, coming off such a speedy, whatever it is, you know, he, he just has that amazing sort of three-point aspect that he can shoot the ball very quickly. Um, and even defensively, I thought Bertans, you know, team defensively was, uh, I, I think that's something that doesn't really get co- talked about enough, at least, you know, through this little stretch that he's gotten some clock, like he really has played pretty decent team defense. And that's, you know, saying a lot for Bertans, but uh, individually, you know, we still have to deal with his struggles. But uh, like I said, team defensive wise, I felt like he really picked it up. Uh, but what do you think of those two guys? Yeah, no, I thought Davis. Played really good team defense, as you alluded to. He still got beat a few times when having to guard guys one-on-one, especially when he got switched on the guards, which is to be expected. But he made some really timely threes, like some really deep and tough threes. Like one, I think, was kind of at the left wing at the end of the shot clock. So he made some huge shots in only eight minutes. Uh, Game dependent, you know, I'd like to even see him get a little more more run. He was playing in those two big lineups with Christian Wood and Maxie. And, you know, despite uh, just – sort of the defensive deficiencies that kind of persist between Wood and Bertans at face value. Uh, there's just a lot of the size on floor on the floor at that, at that time because you have 
three guys over 6'10", and the Mavericks, I thought, were doing, you know, they were able to win some 50-50 balls and some rebounds they weren't they wouldn't typically get in those scenarios. So that was good to see from Davis's perspective. Justin Holiday came in there. He he surprisingly is not as limited offensively as I think a lot of us think. He attacked off a closeout and sort of, you know, sinked into a mid-range jump shot, which was nice. And, you know, he played really good defense tonight rotationally just as a team defender. He's always – you know, since he's got here, I've talked about how good he is rotationally. He had two steals and two blocks, you know, just does a really good job closing out and filling in the gaps, especially when, you know, that you get into those high intensity scramble situations where you're trying to rotate and replace. He was a, a huge part of that tonight. So those guys were huge contributors, even though they only accounted for 24 minutes total. Lastly, obviously, uh, what did you think of how Christian Wood played tonight? First off, what did you think of Jason Kidd's decision to play him? 34 minutes after that Spurs game, you know, he's not starting, of course, but he still got the most minutes out of any Maverick big tonight. And despite, you know, going five for 15 and having some shot making woes down the stretch, especially kind of after he got hit in the eye by Winyan Gabriel in that one position, he ended up with four steals, one block, eight rebounds or nine rebounds and eight assists, which I did not even see. Yeah. That's that might and be four a steals. I don't know if you I, I saw, yeah, I, I just yeah. said that. I just said that. Yeah. But, uh, just a sort of very interesting jack of all trades game from him. What do we see from this one? And just kind of speak to the um, full game sequentially from him. Cause I think that you can kind of break his game down to different parts. Yeah. I, I think I, like you said it best, a jack of all trades sort of game out of him um, having Maxi back, you know, to kind of, I guess, give it back. So having Maxi back, um, you know, creates this sort of, too big lineup that you can run with. And I know Jason Kidd feels much more comfortable running that lineup with Christian Wood on the floor. And that's exactly what happened. I feel like uh, Christian Wood was the main benefactor of having those sort of two big lineups. It freed up, you know, his play and he definitely got some more minutes playing and doing so. Um, and as I said, you know, it freed up all aspects of his game defensively. He doesn't have to, you know, be a cog in the middle where we've seen him sort of really become a lackluster defender at times, you know, he's able to freelance, able to get some weak side moves. Um, and, you know, even still, you know, he's caught up in some bad defensive rotations, but it's not, you know, as much of a black hole as it has been at times this year. Um, and offensively, I felt like offensively is where we really felt his game uh, to a true T uh, in tonight's game. But, you know, five of 15, you know, not super efficient, but I felt like it was, this was more of a game where you had to watch it to really feel it. Um, you know, as you mentioned, he had nine rebounds and eight assists in this one. Um, he just did a really good job of moving the ball and did a really good job of, you know, creating second chance points for himself, uh, whether it was through, you know, pump fakes, you know, down low, whatever it was, he got to the foul line. Or he actually didn't get to the foul line quite a bit, or he didn't get foul line at all. My bad. Um, I felt like he got fouled. In he got line. fouled yeah. a ton. Yeah. <laughs> I see why you said that, because there were a ton of times where he got contact and there was virtually no call yeah um you know he, there are some times where he's a little complaint heavy and has is a little lackluster in terms of getting back on defense it, it's not luca level but you know he does the whole flailing his arms thing like this <laughs> um but I, I didn't think that that was an issue at all tonight he didn't seem like it obstructed his defensive game but you know he, he was being really aggressive and you know that five for 15 field goal uh stat is i don't know i I think it's a little bit misleading in terms of the how he played tonight he was doing just a really good job like at the top of the key he was distributing to maverick cutters which was really interesting when they 
you know, when any of the wings cut, he was able to get them a few ones with Kyrie and Josh. He pushed the ball in transition up the floor. It was almost like Kevin Love-esque with some of those passes yeah, he was yeah, doing tonight. Um, I mean, eight assists. And he was just doing a really good job rotating and replacing as a team team defense. Like, that's kind of where we always talk about where he's probably the worst as we talk about, you know, him usually being a better individual defender than Powell, but less of a team defender. And, um, you know, he did have some woes individually at first, but I think he remediated that fairly quickly. And he was, he sort of uh, was able to mend what he was doing on that end. I mean, admittedly he was guarding Winyan Gabriel most of the time. So it's not like uh, we're talking about the, the hardest matchup in the world, but other than that, when the Mavericks were in those, you know, scramble situations, I mean, he did a really good job just filling the gaps and picking off passing lanes. And, he, you know, he got a block, too, in this one. Uh, we, we saw how he can affect the game without having to be an integral part of the offensive flow. I mean, yes, he did take the second most shots on the team tonight. And, you know, you know, he yes, he was still part of the offensive flow, of course, but he missed quite a few shots tonight, and it didn't seem – at any single time as if it was severely costing the Mavericks because of what else he was providing. And I don't really think that we've seen him do this many different things in a game this year, if that makes yeah. sense. I mean, I think that like, if you're looking at it in terms of that, like on the stat book, I don't think we've seen him get this close to a triple double. Um, I don't even know. This might be an a, a assist high for the season. Um, maybe, maybe a career high. Yeah, I'll have maybe, to look it yeah. up, but um either way you know an amazing all-around game from Christian Wood one yeah like yes he had his you know troubles defensively at times but even still uh he had a really good defensive game in my opinion yeah um, after the first yeah after, after yeah yeah. Let, yeah let me tell you after the first quarter um but yeah you know Christian Wood that was a career high and assist for him by the way tonight. it was wow yeah. or did it tie or was it it was a career um, high. Yeah. maybe it tied it no no it, seven he's only hit he's hit uh seven assists twice and funny enough, it was actually against the Lakers on Christmas Day the last time he when he had seven assists. Funny. So uh, yeah, th- this was a career high for him, uh, eight assists. Well, well, shout out to Christian Wood. It's a career night for the Mavericks. I mean, Maxi Kleber hits a buzzer beater, and yeah. Christian Wood gets a career high. So. Speaking of Maxi Kleber, is the last guy we'll get into. I mean, we yeah. talked about the buzzer beater, so I don't think there's any more. Um, was this his best game since injury? Since coming? No, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I thought Maxi did a really good job defending the rim in this one when he was asked to, he did a really good job of um, sitting home in that dunker spot on defense, um, just doing a really good job rotating on Anthony Davis. He played really good at one-on-one defense on him. You can definitely tell he's still kind of getting into the flow of things athletically. He's still maybe a little bit of a step behind, but he's staying savvy. He's staying stout on a lot of these defensive possessions. And I think he played a little bit better on that end than the Spurs game the other night. Still a few times where he got beat off the dribble, but uh, other than that, I mean, he attacked off a closeout, made a and one, and that was a really key play, and he made the free throw. Uh, you know, he just – he stayed poised throughout this one, and he was able to knock down some free throws too. So, um, obviously, you know, a big game from him, uh, not just because of the buzzer beater, but because of how he contributed defensively and how well, you know, even an injury-hampered Maxi Kleber, who is maybe even lost a step, is working well in a – too big lineup with the Mavericks defensively. I'd be interested to look at the defensive metrics, but um, you know, the Mavericks wasn't their best defensive game in the world. And if this isn't the Lakers, yes, they probably lose from the perspective that not, not a lot of other teams are going to shoot that poorly. Um, but it still, you know, was like 
they they patched a lot of the holes that we've seen in some of these previous games. Yeah, I mean, I would tend to agree. Um, you know, bringing this back to Maxi, we definitely felt where I guess his hamstring hamstring injury has sort of hampered him. You know, we saw his athleticism, of course, drop off a bit, and we've seen that. But I don't know why. I feel like at times this game it was kind of more so on a spotlight than other times. Um, but even still, you know, he's able to get it done. He, of course, hit the last six points of the Mavericks had in the game. But, um, I mean, I felt like it was his best game overall. Yes, you know, he's still coming into form defensively. Uh, but even still, I thought he, you know, did a good job recovering at times uh, because there was a sort of, you know, few-minute span there in the fourth quarter where the, the Lakers were getting really easy shots down low, just sort of, you know, off of dump-offs in the dunker spot. Um, and, you know, he sort of picked on picked up on that pretty quickly. Yes, he picked up some fouls, um, but you kind of have to do so in that scenario. Um, and I, I felt like, you know, he was really the main guy to pick up on that. And really the Mavericks defense recovered honestly well because of him. Uh, so I think he's, you know, still coming into form, of course, still coming into the Maxi Kleba of old. But it, it definitely felt like, you know, he's still coming back. And it also felt like, you know, at times – I'm not going to say it, but it felt like at times that he was back and definitely hitting that buzzer beater. I think it's going to increase his confidence tremendously. Um, so I'm excited to see what happens from here on out. But uh, yeah, definitely his best game, in my opinion, from or at least since the injury. No, 100 percent. Were there any guys that you wanted to highlight from a Lakers perspective, Jaron, in terms of maybe you were surprised by how they played or you just wanted to add on to what we've already talked about? If there were any guys that you felt like we missed in this one, because you know, we obviously talked about them a little bit throughout the flow of the podcast, but admittedly that we could probably miss a few things. Yeah, I mean, a, a guy that I felt like we talked about heavily, at least in the last Lakers podcast, was Jared Vanderbilt. Uh, I'm thankful we didn't have to talk about him too much in this one. Um, you know, he didn't have too much of a, a stamp on this game, one where, you know, his sort of defensive tenure or defensive uh, prowess. Yeah, prowess just wasn't, you know, as – you know, it wasn't as effective in this game, one where the Mavericks State were able to sort of put him to bed. Yes, he got some easy shots I mean, I think a lot of it, too, was if we're just looking at size comparatively, yeah, like yeah. they probably want to throw, you know, a little bit of a smaller guy. We saw a lot of more like Troy Brown Jr. and Malik Beasley and uh, and, and guards try to ki- guard Kyrie versus, you know, Vanderbilt was uh, sort of pestering Luka and stuff like that. And it's just more, you know, he's 6'9" despite how good of a defender he is one-on-one, I I think that they just maybe opted to stick him on some other guys and not just because of the speed factor with Kyrie and that probably mitigated some of his effects, but I don't think he played bad. Um, I thought Rui Hachimura, you know, he had some good shots off the bench in the mid range, but it's, it's weird because he just doesn't feel as if he has like that marginal of an effect on the game at times. No, they didn't play him a ton though, which was, I thought Winyan Gabriel, he played okay. He did a good job on the glass, but you could definitely tell that um, he got bullied at times in this game with his, his lack of size. But, you know, he also didn't do terrible on Christian Wood. I, I thought that he tried as hard as he could have defensively, and he honestly was able to take, you know, lead some of Christian Wood's shots astray. Austin Reeves, you know, he's good at pushing the ball in transition as much as I hate the, you know, fake beef with him and Josh Green. And he's a kid who's really good at operating in the pick and roll savvy offensive player. You know, he has, his definitely has his downfalls defensively though. Um, I thought Schroeder actually had a damn good game. Yeah. I thought he he might've had the best game of, you know, maybe not Anthony Davis besides Anthony Davis. Yeah. 
he uh he was just doing a really good job um getting downhill in the pick and roll you could definitely tell that his speed was something that the Mavericks definitely didn't have a one-for-one counter for um maybe barring Josh I mean Josh Green of course has the lateral quickness to kind of derail a guy like that but a lot of the time he was having to guard bigger guys when he was in there and Schroeder uh he was just doing a really good job I mean facilitating like last minute in the pick and roll he had a few lobs to AD that uh, were just very timely I thought Beasley did a good job you know, he didn't make any threes tonight, but he pushed the ball in transition as well. Uh, got downhill in a few positions. Troy Brown Jr., you know, he made two threes, and that that was that. You yeah, know, <laughs> like, about it. He's, he's the sort of uh, – he, he's the ultimate sort of one-for-one one, you know, comp to a 3-and-D guy, if you're thinking about that. Um, maybe not as much as a D of, of the D as you would uh, like. That, that sounded really wrong, but uh, <laughs> nonetheless <laughs> – um, yeah, uh, and then I, I thought D'Lo, it was weird looking that he, he went five for 17 after the game, as I kind of alluded to early in the podcast, because he felt like he was hitting some really tough shots at times in this one, and he was, but uh, clearly, it, you know, it was sort of mitigated by a lot of the tough shots that he was missing, so, uh, but he did a really good, you know, he was, or he's a really good ball mover, I think that's very underrated about him, he just does a good job setting and synchronizing yeah. the offense, and I think that's very underrated considering 11 assists in this game. And that's what I was saying. But, yeah. uh, you know, the, the Timberwolves traded for Mike Conley and there was a whole kind of reason was to get a guy who is a little more just poised and not as shot heavy. But it didn't seem as if D'Angelo really obstructed from the offense at all. And in fact, I think he added to it despite not having the best shooting game. Uh, I don't know if that was more of a sort of Conley – go bear rekindling thing that their that front office was doing but that was interesting and i thought ad i mean he played a hell of a game you you would have liked from a lakers perspective probably to see him uh try and look for his own shot a little more or uh take lead of the offense more in that fourth quarter go you know go to him one-on-one a little bit more but in the flow of the offense he had a lot of you know good possessions in the pick and roll was giving the mavericks issues and it almost honestly felt like the mavericks kind of caught a break with how much more dominant he could have been in this game. And yeah. the Lakers kind of just, I don't know, for whatever reason, they didn't go to him. I mean, he, he went nine for 14 tonight. He wasn't even the leading shot taker on the Lakers. Uh, do you think that the Mavericks could have had some more issues persist had AD had not, not a bigger role, but, you know, had the Lakers looked him more on offense in this one? Because, I mean, I thought defensively he obviously he, he posed a pretty huge threat to the Mavericks at the rim. You could definitely tell that affected some of their decision-making at times. Yeah. I mean, I, I for sure, I, I would confidently say that, yes, that would definitely change things, but uh, even still like the, the Lakers as a whole, I don't know what their sort of points in the paint stat would be, or like how many points in the paint they had, but I still feel like majority of what they scored was inside the paint. Um, now had most of those points been Anthony Davis, I feel like that we'd be having a different conversation as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, but um Definitely, you know, one of his sort of better games, but one game or a game where, you know, at times it just didn't really feel like he was too present. Lakers had 54 points in the paint. Yeah, so Mavericks had 42. Almost half their points uh, came via paint. But uh, yeah, definitely, as I mentioned before, you know, one where at times it didn't feel like Anthony Davis had his fingerprints in the game. Um, But, you know, when it when it did matter most, they did go to Anthony Davis. And I think if you're a Laker fan or, you know, whatever if you're trying to critique the Lakers in this instance you probably go to him more uh just you know with what he can do of course uh and you know sort of in the same the sort of vein that the Mavericks went to Kyrie when they really needed yeah like the, the Mavericks you know they relied on Kyrie and 
we've seen that at times they have to rely on Luca, but yeah, the Lakers, you know, they sort of, I guess, deferred from going to Anthony Davis. I don't really know what the best reason is or why, uh, but I felt like at times, yeah, they just had to kind of defer from that. Um, you know, they went to Troy Brown at times, of course, D'Angelo Russell, he put up 17 shots, I think. Uh, but you know, I, I feel like had they relied on him heavily, it would probably be having a different conversation. Yeah. I mean, it, it, to say that this wasn't a, you know, kind of lucky win for the Mavericks would definitely be a fallacy. Uh, they definitely escaped a little bit and, and I'm not taking a whole lot of credence to the fact that this was uh, a cure-all to any of the woes that like, we're not sitting here saying that this, this Mavericks team is completely different just because of this great win, but it's a huge momentum play. And it's very exciting as the Mavericks get Luca back and it's much needed as the playoff race ensues and who issues still could persist. The Mavericks yeah. could still be in the play and the hell they could still be out. But uh, this was a huge game from the perspective of wanting to make the playoffs and um, putting yourself in that position and, you know, Kyrie to go out there on the sore foot and everything and do what he did tonight. It was a hell of a game. And I mean, shout out to Maxi Kleber in Wurzburg, Germany. It was, the Wurzburg wonder kid. You want the most ESPN stat that I can think of in my deep dark. Who head. is Dirk Nowitzki? It's yeah. Who is, who is Dirk Nowitzki? Okay. Go ahead, <laughs> no, but uh, mentioning Dirk, that was the last German to hit a buzzer beater on the Mavericks. I, I told you that before we yes. press record and that's the most ESPN stat I can pull out of my head. So Sharon wanted to <laughs> find the most like specific niche in terms of any stat that he could think of. So we'll leave you guys with that. It was a really fun one though. And we are excited to be back. Monday night after the Mavericks play the Grizzlies, who will be without John Morant, despite him being able to return to action, he will still be in the process of revamping after going to a rehabilitation center in Florida. So hopefully he is steadfast in his recovery and all is well. He'll find a way to make with a presence on the jaw game. and his mental health. Are we going to lose? Or maybe T. Morant. Oh, yeah, T. Morant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> more so than anything. But it was still really fun night. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I hope Luca comes back soon, man, because um, I, I posed the question on Twitter, how much more games can the Mavericks persist without Luca or Kyrie? I mean, I don't know what they're going to do in, in terms of Kyrie's in, injury management, but, it, you know, it seems as if he's fully back. And, I mean, we're here, man, 11 games till the playoffs, uh, if the Mavericks make the playoffs, or they could be in the draft lottery. But, I mean, after this one, it, the playoffs seem ever more likely, and we'll see how it will operate, how it goes game by game. Nothing's a certainty. But, I mean, what a huge clutch time victory and um, just an overall very exciting aura around the team right now, Jaron. I feel great. I feel amazing. The feel vibes amazing. are? They are ejaculating. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we will censor that for everybody because we cannot say the I word because of Mr. Jalen Brunson leaving. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, I think we'll wrap it up with that. Make sure to follow us and give us a five-star rating and tell us what you like or don't like. If you guys feel so inclined, you can do so on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. We are almost on any podcast platforms, and uh, we really appreciate your guys' feedback from that perspective. And uh, any follows or downloads you guys give us, of course, is much appreciated. If you guys are listening on YouTube, shout out to the YouTube gang. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. What will Team Morant's stat line be Monday night when the Mavericks <laughs> like play it. the Grizzlies? <laughs> that was a good one. No. They've been kind of bad recently, but I think that was a good one. Um, other than that, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Mainstream underscore Mavs, where you guys can get all our updates surrounding the Mavericks and our thoughts on everything. The outside the box score. Yeah, outside just the, the box main score. box. Just our the main podcast. Beautiful thoughts. 
Yes. <laughs> you can get it all there. Follow our personal Twitters too. We don't really plug those often, but you can follow Jaron. I'm at, posting a little more every day. Yes. So. Jaron underscore Mavericks and me at, at Will Mill J. No spaces. Uh, but besides, I don't think you can do spaces. <laughs> <laughs> but besides that, we will catch you guys in the next one. Maxi Kleber wins it for the Mavericks. <laughs> Woo-hoo! <laughs> Woo-hoo!